we will need to go deep into providing more context because it's really beyond the number. It's also looking at the way of censorship, the method that implemented by each of these countries and also the duration, perhaps any significant events that trigger a rise of censorship and so on. So beyond numbers is something that we need to look into. Welcome to a special episode series of Pretty Good Podcast, recorded live at the Digital Rights Asia-Pacific Assembly in Chiang Mai, Thailand. Engage Media is here with hundreds of changemakers from a broad range of sectors who have come together to build knowledge, collaborations, and momentum on digital rights in the Asia-Pacific. In this series, we are featuring a number of JPAC 23 participants working across pressing digital rights issues. I'm Sarah from Engage Media, and without further ado, here is our episode. Today, we are joined by these two lovely ladies from CNR Project. So our first is Kelly Ko, the project officer of CNR Project, and she leads the digital rights projects and coordinates internet censorship projects in the organization, while also providing legal counsel. Also here from CNR Project is Siti Nurliza Samsudin. She has a background in statistics and analyzes the internet censorship measurements and converts them into more user-friendly reports. So Kelly, Siti, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having us. Yes. So speaking of reports, I think the one of the main reasons you are here right now at JPAC 23 and your biggest one of your biggest projects lately is the Internet Monitoring Action or IMAP. So if you will be using IMAP throughout the episode. So could you tell us more about the IMAP project? IMAP is actually covering uh, 10 countries. We have in Cambodia, uh, Thailand, Malaysia, Indonesia, um, Vietnam, Myanmar, uh, and also uh, India. We are also now covering Philippines and um, Timor-Leste. So these are our countries that we focus on and we work with our country partners who are well-versed in the local issues and who has a deeper understanding of what's happening in their country. So we work with them and we coordinate the projects by running simultaneously to uh, record, firstly, to collection of data because we need more measurements as evidence that censorship occur. Uh, even if it's not happening, that would also be a good evidence that uh, internet censorship is not happening in that region. Uh, so far, each of these countries that we cover, each has its own uh, level of censorship involved in terms of uh, websites. Uh, some even involves instant messaging apps and also uh, VPNs. So besides uh, collection of data, the second part that we focus on is actually building a network because we want to expand the network to include more digital rights activists uh, into this area of uh, internet censorship or monitoring so that we could uh, increase transparency in this area. The other part, which is the third part, is on capacity building. We want to build the capacity of our local partners, uh, our country researchers, and also through them to build out the capacity of their local communities. So it's like spreading a network where we will teach our partners. Our partners will also teach their partners in how to use the UNI software tools, the UNI Pro app especially, to record this evidence uh, of internet censorship. So after this, besides teaching them how to use this to test it themselves so that they do not really need to rely back to us or any of them, 
they can run it on their own. And they can also look into uh, building capacity in terms of reviewing, reviewing the websites. Because uh, we have this test list that contains all of the websites that we target to monitor. So only the websites that is included in this test list will be um, monitored by default when you run the Uniprobe app. So when you run Uniprobe app, it will select randomly from this test list to record down the measurements. However, another way to do it is through a manual um, typing in the websites that you test. So these websites do not really belong to, do not have to belong to any of the test lists. But if you say you're interested in this particular local websites uh, that you want to test, you just key in the website link uh, through the Uniprobe app and you can run it from there too. So these are the skills that we would like our, our partners to have, uh, to have and to also update our test list in the sense that the test list has to remain relevant and not updated because sometimes the website, maybe they change to another uh, address. So this is something that we do with our partners in terms of capacity building. These are the three main areas that we focus on through IMAP. Thank you, Kelly. Siti, I know you're also managing that uh, network. And I was wondering, what are the challenges that you face, not just in the collection of data, but in also ensuring that there's continuity and momentum because Sometimes it's easy to just say this is a one-time thing and even though and finding time and energy and even resources to continue this monitoring on a more consistent basis can be very difficult. One of the challenges is to maintain measurements. Uh, so especially in countries where there can be very strict in terms of surveillance and monitoring. So when you test on the Uniprobe, um, your ISP, your internet service provider, can know that you are testing the Uniprobe. For example, in Vietnam, uh, it can be very, uh, it is one of the most strict uh, countries in terms of uh, surveillance. So for our, uh, for our country partners, it can be quite risky to use the Uniprobe uh, using their own mobile devices. Uh, uh, in most of the cases, they have to go to public Wi-Fi areas to use the Uniprobe to collect data on internet censorship to detect uh, websites that are blocked because it is, can be quite dangerous to access websites that are blocked. Um, and that can be risky uh, and that tends to lower the measurements enough uh, for analysis. Uh, another uh, challenge that we face uh, is also the, um, in terms of capacity, um, technical capacity of our country partners. So some of our country partners are very high in terms of technical knowledge, so they can manage to uh, analyze the data on their own. But uh, some of our country partners, are, they, are, they are from, a, let's say, from a legal background, so they find difficulty in understanding the data. And this is where uh, we come in and help them to understand basic terms like DNS, HTTP, and etc. Yeah. Yes, so contributing can seem very intimidating and also, I'm also, coming from communication, so I'm on the side of simplifying things. I wanted to ask you more about this report, which by the way, we will be linking on the blog post that will accompany this post. Um, but could you tell us a bit more about some interesting trends or data, statistics, or any insight from the report? The latest report that we published was uh, based on the data in 2022. It was based on the reference period of um, the first half of 2022. So in that, one of the interesting things that I found was that uh, each country that we cover of the 10 countries of IMAP was very different in terms of uh, internet censorship. Some can be quite, uh, we found that some countries can be uh, less blocking on, uh, there are censorship in everywhere, 
uh, but some countries are less censorship on uh, controversial websites like political criticism or news media that gains a lot of um, uh, stories. Uh, whereas a lot of countries, other countries are blocking websites like political criticism, uh, news websites, and one of the most um, difficult data, uh, data to analyze was the data from Hong Kong. So there, we found that there is a lot of interception of uh, network interference from China, uh, the mainland China, into the Hong Kong network. And therefore, the data was kind of messy. Uh, the, the data for Hong Kong was kind of messy. Um, so that we have to a lot of, go through the data quite manually to figure out which websites were blocked. Um, as compared to other countries, which were uh, quite uh, easy because uh, the method of blocking was like, relatively quite uh, universal uh, throughout the country. Yeah, different country, <laughs> different countries, different tactics. Yeah. yeah. So speaking of those ten countries where that you covered in the report, I believe there is a representative from each of those countries who are here right now at Drapac 23. And you also held a session explaining more about the report. So could you tell us more about that session and also any comments or feedback from participants? Sure. Uh, yesterday, we had a session introducing the IMAP project and also uh, explaining about the 2022 findings of the Internet Censorship Council reports. So in that session, what we try to do is to explain what IMAP project is about and also tell them about the report itself, everything about the report, like why are we doing this, what is included in this, where are we covering, and also the duration of the data, and also when we intend to publish it, the timeline of the project. So besides explaining that, we also talk about the content structure of the report, so they have an overview of what we intend to cover. And then we go into uh, sharing of the findings, which was led by Citi. She explained briefly going through uh, what are the things that we found in terms of the maybe uh, categorization of censorship that we find is the highest or lowest in each of these countries. Then we went into gathering feedbacks from our stakeholders. What do they intend to see from our report? And also maybe uh, areas of uh, improvement that we can cover uh, through the next cycle because we intend to cover another round of report from July 2022 findings to June 2023 findings. So this one year period findings will be published in September 2023 report. And then followed by that, there will be another cycle from July 2023 to June 2024 in the 2024 cycle of the report. So we intend to continue to improve that and to understand what our stakeholders are looking for from that session. Uh, in terms of feedbacks, I think what stands out is that we notice um, we will need to go deep into providing more context because one of the feedback that we receive is that we, we will publish the, like, the numbers of websites found in each of these categories, but what does this number mean? So what do they reflect? We might need to tell them about it's, it's really beyond the number. It's also looking at the way of censorship, the method that implemented by each of these countries and also the duration perhaps any significant events that trigger a rise of censorship and so on. So beyond numbers, is something that we need to look into. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thanks for sharing that. And speaking of that second round of report, I believe that it's so important for us all here, not just in JPAC 23, but to our listeners, to also ensure that we can do our part to contribute. 
especially uh, what really resonated with me when you said that we need there needed to be more context, and that's so difficult when we're I, I'm from the Philippines, um, and we ca I can give it has there's a lot of things that get lost in the technicalities, and there's a lot of nuances as well, and so I think that's why it's important when you said um, part of contributing is also providing more context, and I think if if it's not on the technical aspects, that also is something that's equally relevant when you know doing this report and also monitoring these kinds of things. So, could you share more about that second round? Uh, the second round will be the same thing, except that we would uh, try to simplify it further because, as you mentioned, uh, using UMI tools or even technical terms could be appearing to be intimidating for non-technical users. So, the core focus of the reports would be to uh, bridge the gap between technical users and also non-technical audiences. That report itself will be taking the findings and make it in a more easy to understand uh, manner through the report. We want to simplify things and uh, let people to understand it better in terms of uh, maybe putting on like, key points as more straightforward as we can. Uh, this is something that we look to improve. Uh, perhaps City, you have some ideas? On this. Other than that, we are also uh, because last year we uh, we had a list of confirmed blockings, uh, and we found that there were a, a huge number of unclassified websites which were uh, tested outside of the test list, and that's why they are unclassified. So um, in this year, we are planning to relook at this unclassified so that we can have a better number of. Um, of websites in each categories. Um, so one of the ways uh, that we are looking at is to just maybe perhaps to review the test list again before we start writing the report. So Kelly, CT, thank you so much for joining us and we look forward to the second report in September. Sure, thank you for having us. For more episodes of Pretty Good Podcast, you can head on over to engagemedia.org slash podcast. The audio version is available on any of the streaming platforms you're already familiar with. And for the video version, you can head on over to cinemata.org. Again, we'll be leaving links to anything mentioned over the course of the interview with the accompanying blog post on engagemedia.org. So I'm Sarah again, and see you in the next episode. <laughs>